0: cjsw's funding drive is on right now head over to cjsw.com to show your support for this program cjsw 90.9 fm broadcast in bloom
1: but the day doesn't start till you've tuned into cjsw
0: 90.9 fm broadcasting out of calgary alberta Hello CJSW listeners, my name is Emily and I'm here with my co-host Amanda. We're both second-year law students here at the University of Calgary and we're here to represent the Hearsay
1: Podcast. To give a small introduction, the Hearsay Podcast is a joint project between Pro Bono Students Canada, the University of Calgary chapter and CJSW. Pro Bono Students Canada is the largest national volunteer organization that provides free legal services in the form of public legal education, client intake, and assistance, as well as legal research and writing.
0: The Hearsay Podcast is a 30-minute legal education podcast hosted by law student volunteers like us that airs on CJSW every month. The Hearsay Podcast is also available on the CJSW website, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Our podcast discusses a variety of legal topics. So, for example, our most recent episodes focus on understanding Canada's and Alberta's judicial systems with Justice Paul Jeffrey, who's a judge on the Alberta court of King's Bench.
1: Since our podcast is made for you, the public, we're always open to topic suggestions. So, if you have any areas of law or issues you'd like us to discuss, please email us at hearsaypodcastufc at gmail.com.
0: So before we dive into the content we've prepared for you all today, we'd like to thank CJSW for inviting us to join them on their 2022 Funding Drive broadcast in Bloom. CJSW is a student-run radio station right here on the University of Calgary campus. And just like how the Hearsay podcast wouldn't be able to deliver its content without them, CJSW wouldn't be very operational without its listeners. So we encourage you to donate through CGSW.com slash donate or call 403-220-5000 during this funding drive week. The drive wraps up this Friday, October 28th at 6 p.m. So we encourage you to donate.
1: Without further ado, we'll head right into the discussion part of our broadcast today. Essentially, we've planned a sort of meet the people behind hearsay sort of deal. So not only can listeners get to know who we are, but also to learn about getting into law school and how that was for us and what it means to be a University of Calgary law student. Emily, would you like to start us off? Yes,
0: of course. So essentially I grew a taste to, for law growing up because uh, my parents are immigrants and there was this really large language barrier. So I grew up translating all these legal documents and and uh, government documents that I honestly had no idea what they meant, but I just translated it because that was my duty as the only child. Uh, but I essentially, you know, took a took a taste to it and I really wanted to learn more. So I took law courses in high school. I was a bit of a nerd and I did like an overnight law camp at the University of Toronto. And, you know, the lawyers there encouraged me to just try different things in my undergraduate career instead of uh, studying things like, you know, law and politics and The typical uh, undergrad for law students. So I tried different things. I tried like an undergrad in environmental studies and urban studies and just explored my horizons a bit. Um, But then I still figured that law was something I wanted to do. So I decided to come to Calgary. Um, I'm originally from Ontario. So coming to Calgary, I think, was a really good choice because uh, I, I was drawn to the smaller class sizes, the focus on practical skills for the curriculum. And yeah, I do
1: not regret and I'm really glad that you came to Calgary because I met you. Oh, thank right you. <laughs> doing this. How sweet! So, um, it's really interesting because I have a quite of a similar background as you. I'm uh, my parents were also immigrants. I also had to translate a lot of legal documents from elementary school that I, you know, didn't really understand. But instead of growing an interest in law and what these documents are, I actually developed some anxiety around it. Um, what are these? what happens if I mess it up and all these thoughts. So I actually didn't want to go to law school for the longest time. <laughs> so, um, and the diff- my background is slightly different in this from yours in the sense that, um, mine was a bit more chaotic than yours. I think I didn't actually think of going to law school until quite late in my undergraduate degree. Um, So my background is in philosophy and psychology, and I really wanted to do um, psychology at first and philosophy in graduate school. But the pandemic hit and it turns out it just wasn't the best idea to pursue um, philosophy graduate school in the middle of the pandemic. So I started really thinking about, like, what can I do as a career that allows me to ask Questions, you know, the why questions and why why are things like this, and also do research that I really enjoyed in psychology as well as philosophy. And the, well, there were many answers, but one of the most prominent answers were, was law. And actually the event that planted the seed of maybe I, you know, maybe law school might be the idea was um, I attend uh, several years ago. I attended um, the annual general meeting of Amnesty International Canada branch and a lot of people on the board, as well as just volunteers, a lot of them had law background. And they were just the coolest people I've seen just giving, you know, with their expertise in law, they could really leverage the, you know, the expertise, the power, the knowledge and the connections I had to make r- amazing differences in relation to um, human rights in Canada and abroad. So, that was, I think that was perhaps one of the important events. Grass is green. Ain't no else is green. It grows on trees. Money. So donate it now. CGSW.com slash donate.
0: So we kind of given a brief introduction and a look into how, like, and kind of, I guess, why we went into law school, but. I don't know, personally, before I got into law school, it was such a, such a strange thing for me. It felt almost alien and mythical. So, I don't know, Amanda, how, did, how, how does one get into law school?
1: Very good question. And the short answer is it really depends. It depends on the school you're applying to and what admission category you're planning on getting into. So, for the general category, which most students apply under, Typically, um, the category requires that the applicant submit an LSAT score, all post-secondary transcripts, statement of interest, and other personal information like employment history and special facts. And some schools also require references. And previously, I mentioned that my undergraduate background is philosophy and psychology, and many students interested in law school ask me what degree should they Choose if they want to get into law school or to maximize their chance of getting into law school. And I always giving, I love giving this answer, which is, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> many people are like many people in our class are from political science and history, mm-hmm. but I have many friends whose background or backgrounds are not in that typical poli sci history, um, hu- the humanities background. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, I have friends. whose background is in archaeology, biology, engineering, and music.
0: Yeah, speaking of music, I remember one of the lawyers I spoke to when I went to that overnight law camp, they actually had an undergrad in drama. So... I don't know, that shocked me to my core because as someone who grew up, you know, loving music and, you know, my childhood dream was to be a singer and all of that, uh, it really surprised me that I was speaking to a lawyer who actually had such a creative background. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't actually know. But, uh, yeah, so I guess... To kind of educate uh, everyone a little more, the LSAT is essentially the law school admission test. And bear with me as I kind of go through what it is, because I feel like a lot of people think, you know, LSAT, MCAT, oh, you know, all these standardized tests. We don't really know what they actually are. So to kind of give a brief overview of what this test actually is it's a standardized test that's made up of two parts so there's the four sections of multiple choice that are about 35 minutes each and then there's a 35 minute unscored writing sample so for the multiple choice sections there are essentially three question types that uh, These sections can essentially be that that is reading comprehension, analytical uh, analytical reasoning, or as we would all fondly refer to as logic games and logic reasoning. So within these four multiple choice sections, since there's only three types of questions, only three out of the four sections contribute to your actual score. So the fourth section can be any one of the other three question types, but it is unscored. The writing sample is just a decision problem where you'll be asked to choose between two different positions or courses of actions and then defend your choice. So you'll be kind of given, a, you'll be given a scenario essentially and then they'll be like, okay, so person A has this, person A has, uh, person B has this, you know, these are their situations, you know, d- defend one of them and and explain why or you can defend both and also explain why or defend neither it's not really like a right or wrong kind of thing it's more just for the law schools that you're applying to to kind of see you know what your persuasive writing skills look like so you know that way they'll be able to make an accurate judgment as to whether or not you'll be a a good lawyer Uh, but if you do go to the law school admission council website you'll find everything you need to know about the, uh, the test there So, uh, Amanda, do you kind of want to talk about, uh, you know, how you study for the LSAT?
1: Well, (laughs) um, for me, I, let's see, I spent, I think, about two months studying, you know, a couple hours every day, and closer to the date of the exam, I spent, you know, more hours reviewing, doing practice tests, but uh, truthfully... Maybe it's just my brain trying to block out the traumatic experience of studying for the LSAT, <laughs> but I actually don't remember that much. But what I can say is, it really helps to do a lot of practice tests. Mm-hmm. Um, just knowing where you are, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, really helps. So for me, I was I was pretty proficient at logic games. I you know it, it was more. F- it was quite fun to figure out, oh, Sally's sitting on this table, but um, but Drew, you know, he had to sit, but he has to sit right beside Sally. But Marco <laughs> doesn't like either of them, so he has to sit on the other side of the table. You know, what's, you know, what's the makeup of the table? like?
0: And we're being serious. This is exactly what the fact patterns uh, sound like. They're like. This is what the law test actually looks like, so... <laughs>
1: Yeah, so I, I, you know, I didn't love them because, you know, it's part of a test, but it was relatively more fun. But my weakness, but my weakest area was reading comprehension. No, same. <laughs> <laughs> Just reading passages after passages of a, a topic that I, you know, sometimes were interesting, like i i think there i think i legitimately read a topic on quantum physics. I'm like, "Oh, I didn't know about this. This mm. is pretty interesting." But there were a lot of like art history and a lot of history, you know, in general issues that i frankly didn't really care about. <laughs> <laughs> so getting through them and actually you know, trying to answer these questions were pretty difficult. Mm-hmm. No, I you? agree. Yeah, because my background is, is basically in social
0: sciences. And I say social sciences, but it was very theoretical. So anytime they started talking about biology or physics, it just went way over my head. And it was very difficult for me to read the content and absorb it and then answer questions of like, back in paragraph two, what does this specific sentence mean? And I'm like, I don't know.
1: I remember <laughs> Do I that. Do actually know?
0: But yeah, like... Uh studying for me is was a little different actually because essentially it took me two whole years to kinda get a score that I was happy with. So I essentially took two years off of uh off of school under my after my undergrad to just focus on, you know, paying back my student debts and, you know, work three part time jobs and then study for the LSAT. Um and I think what students who are interested in going into law school don't realize is that studying for the test can look very different depending on who it is you talk to and, you know, what kind of a person you are, because everyone just has very different studying styles. Um, So, for example, you know, I wasn't able to afford long hours of tutoring. So I had to do a lot of self-studying through textbooks, online videos, you know, kind of As the kids say, jank. (laughs) But um, as for advice on, you know, those of you who are interested in studying for the LSAT, I just say experiment around a bit until you find what's, what's best for you. You know, do you like learning through books, through reading? Do you like watching videos? Do you like when someone teaches you the materials individually or do you like learning in a class environment? You know, it it just looks very different for every person.
1: Yeah. And I'd like to chip in by saying um, one thing I did that was very different from everyone I talked to was that I didn't take a diagnostic test. I knew I sucked, so why would I want to slap a terrible number on my face and just be reminded that I'm bad at this test that I've never taken? And for me, you know, over the years of you know taking numerous tests, I knew that doing an initial diagnostic doesn't serve me that well. It just brings me down. It just stresses me mm-hmm. out because I because I could clearly see the way I you know the the long journey I have to take, even though. I I know it so Mm -hmm. I didn't take it but here I am I got into law school so (laughs) here we are (laughs) so so of course talk to people who have taken the LSAT and know did well didn't do too well just you know to see how their own experiences are but of course take it with a grain of salt because they have their own studying habits the the strategies that work for them but you're different Mm -hmm, Exactly. And speaking of affordability, we'd
0: just like to take this moment to remind our listeners to donate to CJSW's funding drive and why it's so important. The dollars you donate directly support the upkeep and maintenance of the station. And without your help, CJSW would be operating at a majorly reduced capacity and wouldn't be able to broadcast at the standard you've come to know and depend on. So with the help of your Funding Drive dollars, CJSW can continually offer new and unique volunteer opportunities that provide education and technical skills such as DJ workshops, live session teching, video editing, graphic design, music reviews, and of course, on-air programming. So again, without CJSW, the Hearsay Podcast wouldn't be able to get our legal education episodes aired as well, so we owe a lot to the station and we encourage you to donate. So we briefly talked about how we got into law school. Um, Amanda, what are some of the things that have changed in your life ever
1: since you got into the actual law school? Everything, as I (laughs) jokingly say. But to be honest, I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Calgary, so the everyday life has not changed significantly. I guess the main difference would be that I now walk to the law building instead of the social science building on campus. I still go to Mac Hall to get my lunches sometimes when I haven't packed them. I still take the same buses. Um, But physically, that'd be a main difference. But I definitely notice some differences in terms of how I view the world around me. So for instance one of the major changes for me is that I'm not as scared of looking at laws. So to give an example, as an immigrant, immigration law is terrifying. And it was especially terrifying when I was younger. I didn't know how the laws worked. I was not proficient in English. So whenever I got a form or some kind of document where it mentioned some kind of a law, I, I, I immediately got terrified and just didn't really know what to do. But thankfully, now that I'm taking you know, law courses and like to be frank, like, I'm not even taking immigration law. But over you know, last year and a couple of months of just reading statutes and case law, now I know that like, I can tackle this. I can tackle a piece of law, a piece of regulation that I've never seen before because I know how it generally works. And, you know, as everyone's favorite topic to talk about, you know, paying taxes. <laughs> it's it was, When I first paid, you know, had to um, write my tax return, I was terrified. Like, what am I doing? What is, you know, all these questions based off of? Like, what happens if I get it wrong? But I'm, thankfully, I'm taking the um, basic tax course right now. And it's, the income tax law isn't, easy it's it's really Mm -hmm. complicated very niche very nuanced so i will never say that i'm comfortable reading the income tax act but you know i have it in my room like i can open up a (laughs) section i I know i have it in my room (laughs) um but i can open up a section and if someone asks me hey what is this section talking about if i have a business um I mean, I wouldn't answer that question because I'm a law student, so I can't give legal advice. But I can't. My, but I might be able to open up the act and read it to them and say, "Hey, maybe this means this." But ultimately, I can direct you to the resources you can go to. But it's a good starting point. I'm. It, it's a. I think it's all about the attitude. I'm just not as scared about tackling law. Mm-hmm. And um, I always say this to. Um, kind of as a joke, but not really. But whenever I pa- whenever um, I cross a road, I always pre- press the pedestrian button because you know what if I get hit by a car and I have to argue that it wasn't my fault, you know the the opposing side might go like, "But did you press the button?"
0: Are you, like- are you saying you
1: never <laughs> pressed the button before law school? No, I did. No, I, I of course I did. But you know, I I always I feel a bit more pressure the need to press it just in case i get hit by a car that legal pressure exactly liability exactly i have to cover
0: all my grounds no exactly (laughs) oh for sure yeah i mean i thought of that before i even came into law school i think but i i don't think that's my law student self talking that's just my anxiety (laughs) um yeah like for me uh, kind of how i mentioned earlier i'm originally from ontario so moving over from Ontario over to um, Alberta was a big change like a big physical change because I've never actually you know lived in a different province before I've never even moved out of my parents home just because it was so convenient for me to stay in there um, but I think the biggest difference for me that I've kind of realized is that people kind of look at you differently and I can't tell if I like it or not so so You know, I think a lot of people still think law school and the legal profession is that you know stereotypical law and order suits Harvey Specter, you know, spectacle that we see on TV. So whenever I tell people that I'm in law school, most of the time you can kind of see their eyes light up and you know they they look at you differently. It's like oh, you're in law school and the oohing and ah awing kind of continues and and all the questions and, and can you give me legal advice and the prodding and you know i have to explain to them that i can't but so like part of me feels a lot of pride in being a law student you know because it's it's a big privilege to first of all be in school and then secondly to even be in law school of all places and to to eventually and hopefully become like a licensed lawyer Um, But then there's that constant pressure of needing to do well as a law student, and everyone kind of looks at you with their hopes and imaginations and expectations, and all of a sudden you're like, well, you know, this stranger that I talked to five days ago knows that I'm a law student, and, you know, I can't screw it up because then I've disappointed this one individual
1: that I don't really know. No, Exactly, and I think the pressure... Intensifies to some extent if you are from an immigrant family. Oh, for
0: sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're both only children, so I feel like we feel that even more. Just knowing, you know, our parents are kind of depend. They say they're not. They say they're not. But I think just having that expectation growing up is a uh, is is a lot. <laughs>
1: yeah, and I do sometimes get texts saying, "Oh, what is this? What is this document? Oh, yeah. What is, what is this court related thing?" And I'm like. Sure, I can take a look at it, but I can half guarantee you that I also don't know, and I would need some hours of researching to give Mm -hmm. you a good answer. Yeah, Actually, your answer just um, reminded—I remembered something, kind of on the lighter side. As soon as I got into law school, people asked me, hey, do you like this blank law TV show or movie? (laughs) I I don't know if it's just me, but I— I don't know, like to some extent yes I do because I understand more mm-hmm. of what's happening. It could be, oh, I understand a little bit of what this legal area they're practicing in, or oh I kinda understand the process um the you know, the, the the characters are in. Are they in court? Are they preparing for court? Are they negotiating? But you know, not understand that, so that's good, but I think I feel a bit stronger. A, there, there's more frustration that I feel when I see these law shows because a lot of them portray the litigation side where you know people, the lawyers, go to court, they argue. But in one episode, or you know, within two episodes, these characters see their clients for the first time and then they go to court. <laughs> and like it's, in in Canada, it's just so unrealistic because. You know, now the courts are so backlogged that you have to book court dates like two years later. So I I see these episodes. I'm like, this is so unrealistic. Well, they're not going to have,
0: you know, five episodes of preparing for court, are they? And waiting. And and just corresponding
1: with the client. Hey, sorry, we're still waiting. We're still waiting. I I know. (laughs) It would be a very boring show if that was the case. I know, but knowing the reality of it and that everyone is just waiting... (laughs) I I can't just, you know, put a smile on my face and be like, yes, I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. Like I I kind of I I watch Suits, right,
0: for example. I think that's uh, that was something that really got popular uh, like one or two years before the pandemic when whenever it came out. And I remember watching it and I didn't know what being a lawyer meant at the time. I didn't know what law school was like at the time. And I still knew it was, you know, not unrealistic, but. They just they're just really good at capturing your attention. And sometimes I'm sitting in class being like, Man, what if law school and being a lawyer was like this? What if lawyers could just march into each other's office and, you know, be aggressive at each other the way they are in, in the show? But then I realized, no, that's actually a terrible idea. Please don't do that. <laughs> there's there's a high level of uh, professionalism that needs to be kept
1: in. And civility, in the- yeah. especially <laughs> in this profession especially in litigation where we you know it's an adversarial system you mm-hmm. you are you are trying to win an argument to some extent of course you know and because it, it's very tense you have to be civil you have to be professional mm-hmm. yeah like' we're,
0: all the lawyers are handling very you know sensitive materials and there's a lot of high stakes and I don't know I've been really impressed speaking with the lawyers that I have. And just getting to know you know how they maneuver around these difficult situations and how they're able to be so courteous and and humble to you know their colleagues even at like the opposing side and i don't know i I think it's really heartwarming it's a lot more wholesome than the the shows you know portray them to be thank goodness (laughs) (laughs) yeah thank goodness um but to give everyone a bit of idea of what our first year of law school was like, essentially we have um, all mandatory classes at the University of Calgary. So there's legislation, there's torts, which is essentially like a broader way of describing civil law cases, like, I don't know, if someone slipped on your sidewalk, you know what would you do? Uh, there's property, crime, contracts, and constitution. And these are all mandatory. They're all set schedules, so we don't really have a choice as to when and who we're taking these all with. And all of all of the like the entire first year class was split into three sections. So there's about like hundred and thirty of us around the time and we were all split into three different sections. And Amanda was with me in every class except for one. So I think that gave us a chance for our, our friendship to blossom.
1: And I was very lonely in that one class I was having with you. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, it's you. Kind of bond with your your classmates in the sections, um, and then you know, I, as I was doing all of those mandatory classes, I was able to join a lot of really cool clubs that the schools uh, the school has. So, for example, I was in the Environmental Law Society. Um, I was in the Moot Times, which is our you know law student run magazine. Uh, I was part of the Intellectual Property Club, where I wrote this little blog for them. Um, and I was also a law ambassador, so if anyone from outside of the school had questions about what law
1: school was like, I'd be able to just connect with them and give them some in- insight. Mm-hmm. And because I'm already spoke about classes, which is all mandatory, you don't get a choice. I'll, I'll chip in regarding the extracurricular activities I was involved in um, last year. So I volunteered with the Hearsay podcast um, last year, and I've you know this is my year two continuing as a project leader. And I am so glad I chose hearsay podcast. Um, I was involved with creating two episodes on um, labor employment law, generally. So the specific topic was workplace accommodations in the middle of the pandemic. See, I wasn't taking labor um, labor and employment law at the time so it was such a great way for me to learn more about the area and see if I was interested and I of course I got to interview two amazing people one was uh, one is a professor um, Hardcastle who teaches uh, health law and torts at the University of Calgary she she was such a phenomenal speaker I mean she does um, she she does interviews all the time she she's a rock star in in terms of media and communication so mm-hmm. she gave such good succinct information digestible to the public about you know generally what um the impact of covid in the workplace and the second person i got to interview was my uh mentor in um provided by the Canadian Bar Association um, she she's a lawyer working in in a uh, labor and employment boutique and she it, again it was such a wonderful interview like I love j- just an aside I love interviewing lawyers <laughs> and judge well like crowns judges like legal mm-hmm. professionals because agreed they're such great speakers. I, I know <laughs> sometimes I wonder am I gonna be able to
0: get to that level where they're where I able to speak? Clearly and succinctly, and not freak out about ifs, ands, and buts, and ums, you know, and not
1: ramble like I am right yeah. now. But <laughs> yeah, but um, and there were other um, topics that other um, other volunteers got to be involved in, like um, like human rights, uh, landlord tenancy act, and just listening to all these cool episodes. It was such an eye-opening experience for me because as I said, I wasn't going into law school was not, you know, my lifelong dream. So I didn't actually know too much about law and the different areas of law. And so here's a being involved in the hearsay podcast was one of the biggest, um, involvements outside of class. And, um, with Emily, I was also involved with the environmental law society, um, and as well as um, business law association, and, and you know, similar to Emily, my goal was to explore as many areas as as possible. And mm-hmm. the clubs I mentioned, I, I was in a, I was serving an executive position. I was volunteering with the club, but outside of that, I was a member of, I believe, like almost every club on like, a law club. <laughs> and there's a lot of them. And yeah, and there's a lot of them. Like Emily, you mentioned I P, there's Labor and Employment Club, there's like sports entertainment. Exactly. Like uh, like energy club, energy law club. And just to see what my options are. And I you know, I, I didn't know what I was interested in and maybe attending one of the club events will open my eyes to the fascinating area. So
0: CJSW's 2022 Broadcast and Bloom funding drive is live. With a $30 donation, you'll receive our CJSW Friends card, a discount card with over 150 of Calgary's finest local businesses. Satisfy your need for a feed. Plant yourself down at one of our Friends restaurants and eateries, like Boogie's Burgers, Native Tongues, The Eden, or simply I Read, just to name a few. Visit cjsw.com slash donate or call 403-220-5000 to get your own and start saving.
1: CJSW's 2022 Funding Drive has taken root and is open for business. This means you need to get ready for our 2022 Garden of Earthly Delights Funding Drive wrap-up Halloween party taking place Saturday, October 29th at the Royal Canadian Legion, Branch 1 at 116 7th Ave Southeast. Brought to you by Village Brewery, Sled Island, and of course, CJSW. There'll be three floors of DJs, live music, karaoke, and more. Tickets are $25 in advance, and you can get yours now at showpass.com. This party always sells out, so talk to your friends, plan a costume, and grab tickets early.
0: Welcome back to Meeting the People Behind the Hearsay Podcast. So for those of you just joining us, my name is Emily, and I'm joined with my co-host and fellow project leader, Amanda. So as a reintroduction, the Hearsay Podcast is a joint project between Pro Bono Students Canada, the University of Calgary chapter, and CJSW. So Pro Bono Students Canada is the largest national volunteer organization that provides free legal services in the form of public legal education, client intake and assistance, and legal research and writing. The Here's A Podcast is a 30-minute legal education podcast hosted by law student volunteers like us that airs on CGSW every month. We'd like to thank CGSW for inviting us to join them on their 2022 funding drive, Broadcast in Bloom. CJSW is a student-run radio station right here on the University of Calgary campus, and just like how the Hearsay podcast wouldn't be able to deliver its content without them, CJSW wouldn't be very operational without its listeners. So we encourage you to donate through cjsw.com slash donate or call 403-220-5000 during this funding drive week. The drive wraps up this Friday, October 28th at 6 p.m. We're currently at... Nine like read my number is 91,641 uh 641 and 77 cents. So, we're almost at the 100,000 mark and every little bit helps. So, we please we encourage you to donate again at cjsw.com/donate or call
1: 403-220-5000. We've talked a little bit about first year and before law school and you know let's move chronologically let's talk about what we're doing now in second year
0: yeah so i'm definitely involved in a lot less uh actually i can't say that i'm involved in a little more extracurriculars this year uh i think i'm in like seven different volunteer positions um but i guess uh, essentially um I'm part of PBSC, I am part of the Environmental Law Society, uh, I'm part of the Federation of Asian-Canadian Lawyers as part of the Student Committee, I'm still an online content creator and content online, what is even my title, online content Creator, sure of the moot times. I just upload the uh, materials onto the website that we have. Um, what else am I part of? I'm still like I'm. I'm still a law ambassador. I'm an executive on it now, and my roles have just kind of evolved over time. I feel like I'm still involved very heavily in a lot of the organizations I was part of last year, but I've just advanced more into the roles that I'm in now. And yeah, I don't know. What about you, Amanda?
1: Well, before I, you know, say my less impressive list of extracurriculars, I would <laughs> just like to know that I think you have a time turn. And I just, I don't understand how you do all this. Like, what are you on? <laughs> or are you, like... Like, do you do you legitimately have a time turn? Like, just going back in time? I really
0: wish I did. Honestly, that would have saved me so much trouble. Like, if I could go back in time every once in a while and just, you know, go through my classes again, do my readings on time, actually, you know, try not to fall asleep in class because I'm so sleep-deprived. I think that'd be very useful, but no, I think I'm just anxious <laughs> and, uh, to get things done.
1: And really, one of the—and you—so if you had a time turn, you— you would not retake your exams. You did not mention that. I'm surprised because I would. Uh, why? <laughs> why would you go through that pressure again?
0: Well, but now I know the exam questions. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Is, would- I'm sure there's some level of questionable academic integrity thing over oh, there. That's but-
1: true. <laughs> We, okay. Yeah, but you like going back to your classes. Okay, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not <laughs> writing about it. Well, good thing that I don't have a time chart. Yeah, good thing. <laughs> um, so, for me, I think I'm quite similar to Emily in the sense that I am continuing with most of the extracurricular activities. I got, I, I got involved last year, and my roles just have evolved. So I'm still part of the environmental law society last year um I was a first year representative helping out with the executives, but this year thankfully I got to be the president so I'm overseeing the, the entire club as well as you as everyone's listening we're st- I'm still part of the here's a podcast mm-hmm. um, I'm very proud of it and i last year I was a first year volunteer creating the content and but this year i've Um, I'm one of the project leaders, so I'm taking more of a managerial role, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, Comes with both pros and cons. (laughs) But, um, yep, still part of it, and I hope to be part of it next year as well. And um, same with Emily. I'm also part of the Federation of Asian Canadian Lawyers. I'm head of the student committee, and we represent Asian canadian lawyers in western canada so that um, that includes alberta saskatchewan manitoba and all of the territories and those are the things that have continued on from last year but this year i'm so excited um, that i got to try out a new activity which is volunteering at the student legal assistance so Student Legal Assistance is a pro bono legal clinic that provides legal information and representation to low-income residents of Calgary and the surrounding area. Student Legal Assistance has been operating since 1979. Gosh, every time I see that, note, I'm <laughs> like, oh my goodness, this is old. <laughs> and this program is staffed primarily by current University of Calgary law student caseworkers just like me. So it, for me, it's only been a couple months since i started in September, but so far it's been incredibly educational and rewarding. I've got to meet clients, hear their stories, and work with advising lawyers to um, figure out this legal issue and I, I can really feel that I'm making a difference in their life. I don't know how I don't know how big the size of the difference is, but <laughs> knowing that there is a legal problem. And like it's stressful. It's it's a big problem, especially if you're a student or earning low income. It's, it's a huge barrier to live, you know, to you living an everyday, you know, like normal life. So it, it's incredibly rewarding that, and it means a lot to me that I that I have this privilege that I that I have the resources to help out people. It's, um, and I'm very glad that I started this. And a quick pitch is um, if you are a University of Calgary student or from a low income household and cannot afford the services of a lawyer, please reach out to student legal assistance. We can provide legal representation and services in several areas, including criminal, civil, family, landlord and tenant matters, as well as traffic and bylaw matters.
0: Are you sure you don't have a time turner? You're (laughs) just as
1: busy as I am. Well, um, lack of sleep. <laughs> no, that's a joke. I. I, I
0: no, I, it's not. I t- <laughs> it is not.
1: I tend to get seven or eight hours of sleep every day, so I can't oh, really okay. lie about that. But wow. I, I'd say um, multitasking. Okay. That te- That is becoming a forte of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Write that on your resume, huh? Mm-hmm. Oh, I do. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was going to say, I really wish we could put kind of like mundane skills onto our resume instead of, you know, oh, here's the job that I worked at for so-and-so years. Like, can I put, I don't know, you know, like you multitask, can we put multitasking and building IKEA furniture on our resume, please? I think that's pretty impressive. Like, I moved out of the student dormitories, you know, after my first year of law school. And since my family is in here, I literally single-handedly built every single IKEA furniture in my house because... I just had to, and not everyone likes to do that. I actually enjoyed it, so I can't. Yeah, really I don't say like much, to but- do that. No, <laughs> yeah, I actually like building. It. It's kind of like adult Legos, you know, but a lot larger. Actually, they have adult Legos now, so I, I maybe there's just something wrong with me, I don't know. <laughs> but I personally really liked it, and I'm kind of sad we can't put that on our
1: resume. I mean. <laughs> Yes, technically you can. You just put that under interest. Under my interest? I like building IKEA furniture in my spare yes, time? Yes, that talks about your um, independence, or <laughs> you know problem-solving, follow instructions. Now, this is what law school does to you. <laughs> wow, you know what? You're right. You're yeah. right.
0: <laughs> Maybe I should do that. But yeah, like you spoke about uh, SLA, so I'm just going to do a little pitch for PBSC. Um, I'm personally a huge supporter of access to justice and legal education since... As you know, you know, growing up with immigrant parents and being of low socioeconomic status meant we were either completely unaware or misinformed about all things law. So being involved with uh, Pro Bono Students Canada and the Hearsay podcast really satisfies that part of it for me. Um, so the, for those of you who just joined us or who forgot, Pro Bono Students Canada is the largest national volunteer organization that provides free legal services in the form of public legal education, client intake and assistance and legal research and writing. So, you know, I'm in addition to being a volunteer for the Hearsay podcast, I'm also the events coordinator this year. And that's something that's really different And difficult for me as someone who's never really planned events outside of, you know, small friend gatherings. So like last Tuesday, for example, I had to pull together this public interest career panel, which is essentially this event that we host annually. And that's in collaboration with our school's uh, career, uh, career and professional development office. And we invited speakers from legal organizations that specialize in public interest law, which is a huge area in itself. So anything to do from human rights to like international uh, environmental activists um, and you know, all things that are public that the public would be interested in is considered public interest law. So I had professionals come from all across Alberta to come and speak to the students about their career in public interest law and to just You know, network. And after two whole years of the pandemic, you know, stunting our in person events, it was really nice to see everyone come together in person and just have this really nice conversation about, you know, the potential career paths that these students can take. So, you know, being the events coordinator has let me learn about new social skills you know what is important on and to include in sending out invitation emails you know things like parking is actually pretty important and i forgot to put that in my emails so the things you learn you know but uh taking a step back we thought it'd be a good idea for you guys to learn more about the hearsay podcast about what we do and what the production process looks like so Amanda and I are project leaders this year, and what it means is that, like she mentioned earlier, it's a managerial role. So we oversee the entire process. We did do a lot of the um, work for the first semester. So we had um, we essentially produced the podcast for you know September to January just because we had so much content. But we currently oversee seven other student volunteers, all our first years, and are amazing at what they're doing right now, and yeah we just make sure you know are they researching correctly do they know where to look where what legal content are they going to produce um and they were able to come into cgsw and learn a lot about the production and tech side of the process so we have our production coordinator our podcast coordinator to thank for that thank you (laughs) calmo um and you know Again, we wouldn't be able to do that without CGSW's help. So here's another pitch for you to donate to CGSW.com/donate or call 403-220-5000 during this week of the funding drive. We end this Friday at 6 p.m. Um, but yeah, we wouldn't be able to do any of this without CGSW and our first years, as well as we are now trained in producing things, in using the software, in trying to come up with interview questions and how to network and which professionals we're reaching out to. And this entire process is just something that we're now overseeing instead of doing, which is ch- both challenging and kind of fun. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I, I I constantly compare my current role with the role I had last year as a volunteer and you know some of them overlap, but you know some of them are obviously different because we are in a more you know overseeing managerial role. But um, but the process of creating a podcast is still the same. And I actually like the current position a little bit more in the sense that I get to see the full picture. I get to I get to see where it begins and where it ends. From you know and where it starts is this brainstorming. What do we want to talk about? What do we want to talk about in September? What do we want to talk about in October to November? What are some of the topics that the public, who's our target demographic and who are listening to this lovely podcast and CJSW, what are what would they might be interested in, as well as what are we personally interested in talking about? And I definitely the more the longer I do this, the more ideas just. Bloom, <laughs> and I'm really just slack. like our broadcast in bloom yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and I'm I'm already kind of sad that when I graduate, I can't do this anymore. You <laughs> mean you don't want to start your own podcast? Well, oh, that's so much work. <laughs> if Carmel, our lovely podcast coordinator, is with us, maybe. But, <laughs> but yeah, we start with the research side and we um Emily and I we both we we created the September to January episodes and um we and I think when we created those I focused more on the research side of creating the podcast because I don't have the <laughs> I'm not really tech savvy <laughs> <laughs> so I contribute by doing research and I and I really like it actually I I get the opportunity to research and learn about so many areas of law that I find to be Important to the top public as well as just purely fascinating to me. Like for example, um, starting November to um, to January, we have a three part episode um, on jury duty in Alberta and Canada, and I find that to be such a fascinating topic because, like, jury duty is open to members of the public. Like, you can get a mail tomorrow saying, "Hey, you're called to do jury duty." And if I got that before starting law school, I wouldn't really know what would be happening to me. What is jury duty? Why am I called? Um, What happens if I can't go? What if I, you know, what happens if I do end up going? Like, what am I getting involved with? Am I getting compensated? And especially what if my, you know, what if people around me who can't really speak English, who are immigrants or who, you know, who, who, who face financial difficulty. So they, and they just don't have enough legal resources to navigate this area. I'm like, what, what can they do? These are, I find to be very important questions that I, you know, truthfully didn't really think about before, you know, starting this episode. And, and thankfully this podcast and this gives me an opportunity to think about those questions um, and quick pitch to our, you know, about our November to January episodes, again, three part episode on jury duty in Alberta and Canada. And I'm, I'm so excited for those episodes to air. We interviewed a legal counsel in um, Alberta court King's bench for our November episode talking about well, what is jury duty, the foundations of it? We know can you get called what happens if you get called the procedure on the logistical aspects of it? And in December and um and for January we interviewed a criminal defense lawyer, Jennifer Rutan, brilliant, brilliant criminal defense lawyer, so succinct and just beautiful in her interview as well as uh, um Justice uh David Gates, right? Scary at times because <laughs> of how smart and intelligent he is.
0: Terrifyingly intelligent, exactly.
1: Yeah. And we and in those episodes, we asked questions, more philosophical questions about why does jury duty exist? Why is it the way it is? Should it be the way it is? What, what are some of the issues that the Canadian jury system is facing at the moment? And so many other more questions that um, we were very interested in asking.
0: Mm-hmm. And we think it's a great opportunity for listeners of the public and of CGSW to just tune in. And even if you can't listen to them live when they're being you know, put on air, you can always listen to them on the cgsw.com website for, for hearsay. But it's an amazing resource for, for the public to just listen in on different areas of the law and different legal topics and just kind of getting a peek into legal education like these are the things that sometimes law schools don't even talk about and i think it's a great opportunity for us to just explore all these different sides of the law and just to like probe someone's mind you know someone who's been in the industry for many many years and who has amazing expertise on it so i don't know i think it'd be such a shame if you wouldn't if you didn't tune in just because there's just so much free information that you have like access to. But, you know, my part of this project is essentially to just edit. So since Amanda does a lot of the legal research of it, I do a lot of the editing. So I take all of the audio files that we have, like the raw recordings, and then I just put them into the software that we use. And, you know, Cut out any of the ums, cut out any the awkward silences, and just make sure that you get the fully succinct version of the interview so listeners can get the entirety of the content that we had in the best way possible. And... <laughs>
1: CJSW's 2022 Broadcast in Bloom funding drive is taking place now until October 28th. Join the community who makes the Broadcast in Bloom blossom all year long. Help us pollinate the airwaves to keep the experience growing. Call 403 220 5000 or head to cjsw.com/donate to make your pledge now. That's 403 220 5000. Or head to cgsw.com slash donate. Welcome back, everyone, to Meeting the People Behind the Hearsay podcast on CGSW's 2022 funding drive, broadcast in bloom. With the essential nourishment from our donors, listeners, volunteers, and partners, CGSW is cultivating a community garden where everyone is welcome. Without CSW, the hearsay podcast wouldn't be able to blossom and deliver legal educational podcasts to the public. So please donate. Every little bit helps. You can donate through cjsw.com slash donate or call 403-220-5000 during this funding drive week. The drive wraps up this Friday, October 28th at 6 p.m. So we're going to quickly get
0: a little personal here, but... uh. You know, not everything comes with easy. No, nothing really comes easily. But Amanda, do you have any problems or struggles that you had since starting law school?
1: Oh, definitely. <laughs> so for me, I don't think entering law school has a. You know, I has um, created completely new problems. But instead, I can definitely talk about um, time management because they're just so many things on my plate um you know stress man stress management and just um multitasking and just figuring out like how i can manage my time in the day throughout the week and throughout the year um as well as I, you know start thinking about like what is it like to be a good lawyer what is it like to be a happy lawyer as i you know start taking ethics and asking these lifelong questions so where do you think our listeners can go to if they uh If they would like to receive legal aid. So the first option is to find a lawyer. You can ask around your family or friends for recommendations. You can also contact the Lawyer Referral Service, which is a service run by the Law Society of Alberta. Again, it's called the Lawyer Referral Service. There are also many community organizations and courthouse services that provide legal help for free or at a reduced cost. A platform called Law Central Alberta provides a list of legal services in your area in Alberta. Again, it's called Law Central Alberta. Some examples of organizations providing legal services for free or at a reduced cost include Calgary Legal Guidance, Student Legal Guidance at the University of Calgary, as well as Legal Aid Alberta. And please keep in mind that there are usually income limits um, for accessing free legal help. This means that you must make less than a certain income to be eligible to receive free legal help. Each organization has its own rules, so please check with each service. And that's it for today, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you found this interesting or at least informative. And if you're interested in learning more about um, various, various areas of law, please stay tuned to our upcoming episodes. As I've you know, pitched earlier, we have an exciting lineup of topics. We have jury duty, impact of the death of the Queen in Canadian international law, legal aid in Alberta, and NATO and Arctic resources. And if you're super keen on learning more about law, University of Calgary Law faculty will welcome you with open arms.
0: And a huge final thank you to CGSW for inviting us to broadcast today. The Hearsay Podcast wouldn't be able to blossom and deliver legal educational podcasts to the public without the support of the station. We, With an update, our station total is now at $91,981. we are really close to the $100,000 mark. You guys can do it. Thank you to our 16 donors who at this time have donated a total of $608. Round of applause. So those of you who wish to continue donating or would like to donate, please go to cjsw.com slash donate or call 403-220-5000 during this funding drive week. The drive wraps up this Friday, October 28th at 6 p.m. Thank you for joining us. We are Amanda and Emily from the Hearsay Podcast coming to you live at CJSW.
1: CJSW's 2020...